This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, November 3rd. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, survey looks at earth minerals from above, eyes to ears with Bella Eatman, Tay-Tay takes over Telluride, and a mountain weather forecast. Pandemic-era supply concerns, the green energy revolution, and anxieties about national security have led to an increased concern about rare earth minerals. In an effort to better understand the country's mineral resources, the U.S. government has begun surveying historic mining areas. As KOTO's Gavin McGough reports, those efforts have brought them to the skies above Telluride. Late this summer and then throughout the fall, residents of Telluride have noticed a periodic buzz in the skies above town. That buzz was coming from helicopters sent out by the federal government to take a bird's eye look at the minerals below Earth's surface. Tian Grau, a research geophysicist with the U.S. Geological Survey, says if you spotted one of these helicopters, you might have noticed it carried a sort of nose. It is a sensor that sticks out from the front of the helicopter like a big boom or stinger. And at the end of the stinger is a magnetometer which senses the strength of the Earth's magnetic field. Different rocks in the subsurface affect the magnetic field in the atmosphere. And this sensor looks at those subtle variations. And from that, we can, by doing a, a bunch of analysis, understand what rock types are below the surface and where they extend. So from above, the helicopter reads magnetic variations in the Earth below. But wait, says Grau there's more. The other instrument is inside the helicopter, and this is the second method. It's um, called gamma ray spectrometry. It's a crystal pack inside the the helicopter. It's detecting gamma rays, which come wafting off rocks as they slowly decompose, losing little particles, isotopes in atoms, and sending them floating into the air. If this all sounds high-tech, Grau says meant actually nothing new. These methods have been around for quite a while, especially the magnetic method. It started up in the 1940s. The um, mining industry has been using these methods for that many years to, to help them explore for minerals. However, Grau explains, in the mid-20th century, when companies were monitoring Colorado for mining assets, they were flying at high elevations, which compromised the data. The closer you get to the ground, the better resolution you have of what's there. Because it was so long ago, people flew up up high, and the uh, data that we have is not very good. And so the big push here with Earth MRI is to get these really high-resolution data sets. And so we start with the places that might have some critical mineral resources in a, in a big, big region around these areas to try to, to focus our, our efforts. So the search for critical mineral resources has brought the U.S. Geological Survey to the Colorado Mining Belt with its rich documented history of mineral claims and the potential for untapped resources. 
Critical minerals are metals which are vital to issues of national security, such as manufacturing computer chips and building solar panels or otherwise powering the Green Revolution. Funds flowing from Congress are supporting the survey, which will create an updated map of mineral resources across the U.S. And with minerals comes mining. Depending on what they find, could southwest Colorado see a revival of its mining past? Grau says the information, once collected, will be made public. Then, she says, It will be up to the private sector to decide what they might pursue in terms of of mineral exploration. So mining companies will be able to access the data and see what potential exists. In recent weeks, the skies have quieted above Telluride, and the survey work over southwest Colorado has been completed. Next spring, the USGS will move on to flights farther north in the Crested Butte area. It'll take a couple of years before the final data is released, but, says Grau, I have seen some of the um, preliminary results from the area and there are some, some bigger features of, that we hadn't seen before that we're seeing in a regional sense. So that's been kind of exciting. Um, I don't know what it means in terms of mineral potential at all. Right now it's just interesting that we're seeing geology that we hadn't seen before. Interesting indeed. Perhaps for mining companies, and certainly for Coloradans hearing the buzz of not-so-distant helicopters. Typically, on Eyes to Ears, Telluride High School's Bella Eatman visits a local art gallery. But today, she's sticking closer to school. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the Kodo segment known as Eyes to Ears. My name is Bella Eatman, and I visit local art galleries to describe art pieces to you. This time, however, I am not going to a gallery, but I am going to be describing a painting made by one of our local students within the Telluride Middle High School. This painting was made by one of our Art 3 students, known as Skylar Carlson, with their two-point split uh, complementary architecture piece. And said architecture comes to a corner one-third into the left of the canvas when a gray hook, possibly was once a pipe when it came to the first study, sort of wraps around the corner from the right like a hand reaching uh, reaching out from behind a doorway, like you see in some horror movies. From the left, tiles of a multitude of colors spread across the canvas in multiple different uh, solid and gradated textures. This ranges from black to green to gray to pink, Out of all the paintings within this wall that I'm sitting in front of, because this is apparently where we're going to record, I chose this one because of the uh, the color scheme. I loved that most of all, and I think I remember admiring it during the process in which Skylar was actually making this painting. Pink and teal is just a nice color combination in 
a weird way. It kind of reminds me of how there are all these different color wheels. There's the classic red, yellow, blue, green, <laughs> green, red, blue um, for digital stuff. And then there's the new one being cyan, yellow, and magenta. And some people have been lately into that sort of color scheme of blue and magenta. And this has sort of been one of the many examples that shows that that color scheme can work. In a way, it it sort of reminds me of a weird, calm sense of femininity. That's not what Skylar probably thought when making this piece, but it's a thought that I have. Other than that, my curl eyes just say, ooh, pretty. But this has been a improved and wacky uh episode of Eyes to Ears on Kodo. My name is Bella Eatman, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Taylor Swift has been front and center this summer with an epic arena tour, a budding romance with a football star, and re-released albums in Taylor's version. This weekend, Telluride joins the excitement as the pop icon's new music movie, Taylor Swift, The Eras Tour, comes to town. KOTO News was outside the Nugget Theater before the opening screening to chat with some local Swifties. I never thought it was possible. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like a lot of Taylor Swift fans are closeted because it's like not cool to like her, right? And so I just like didn't even think this was this was possible and we were planning to go to like Montrose and just make it a day trip. Hi, I'm Ellen Eleven. I didn't mean to become a Taylor Swift fan. I actually used to not like her, and then I just couldn't resist. <laughs> Wait, I have a better answer. I didn't do better than that. I just, that was such a big question. Why are you a Taylor Swift fan? Uh, Taylor Swift does something that few people can do. She makes me laugh, she makes me cry, she makes me dance. She sparkles. I should just tell you to leave cause I know exactly where it leads but I watch us go round and round each time. I fell in love with her during Lover and like I'm also a folklore girly but I also love reputation. But I think I think the fan base would agree that it's reputation. Are you ready for it? Hi, I'm Marissa Marshalka. I feel like I went through my biggest um, like I walked away from her from for that era. Like loved her from the beginning. I saw her when she was like opening at shows, you know, like she was not the headliner. And then reputation happened and I went through this, like I'm too cool for that. 
thing where I felt like she was trying super hard. And now I look back on it and I actually think she was just ahead of her time. And it's my favorite era for sure. And I can't wait for her version of it. And I think it's epic. So yeah, I totally, totally agree. I'm kind of look back on it and I'm a little bit ashamed of myself for like hating on it at first. This is Tuck Gillette, and I'm pretty excited to get an idea of why people are so excited to see her. Um, I love enthusiastic audiences, as long as they're for the right causes, <laughs> you know. And uh, every, I love, I get excited by watching people be excited about Taylor Swift. And I'm excited to be sort of on the inside of that to a certain degree. I've been a Taylor Swift fan for, I mean, since the beginning when Tim McGraw was released because I am a pop country kid, um, for better or worse. But my era is definitely 1989. That is the year, that's, that's the album that I think I gave myself permission to be like, you know what? It's okay that we all like this. We don't have to pretend to dislike this pop queen just because media tells us we shouldn't like pop queens. Hi, my name is Megan Honey. Seven. Is there one of her albums or songs that you like the most? Um, Welcome to New York. Why is that one your favorite? Because I like it that she says Welcome to New York and has a good pitch. What made you want to go see the movie today? Um, because I was a big, I'm a big fan of Taylor Swift. Don't overthink it. Just get up out of your seats and dance and wear something sparkly. As to why she will stay in the test of time, we're sitting out here in front of the Nugget and just now we've watched um, girls from age four to, I'm 34, we're si I'm sitting out here on the bench and all of us are buying tickets to this because whether we want to admit it or not, we have all gone through these eras. We have all gone through embarrassing heartbreak over a mediocre boy. And then we have all had massive like love stories that have defined our lives. And she's been a part of all of that. And you can tell yourself that you're not a fan and you can pretend you don't like her music. But I guarantee you every single person could go through her discography and find a song that they absolutely relate to. Taylor Swift The Eras Tour will run at the Nugget Theater on Friday at 7 p.m. and Saturday and Sunday at noon, 4, and 7.30 p.m.
Telluride's cap on short-term rental business licenses lifted on Thursday after ballot measure 2D passed by voters in 2021 sunset. Homeowners are now able to apply for one of several STR licenses, Classic, which has no limitations on rental nights, Limited, with a cumulative cap of 29 rental nights per year, or Residential, with Residential Zone District limitations. To obtain an STR license, homeowners must pay an accommodations business license of $165 per year plus $22 per sleeping room and a $288 administrative fee. Telluride Town Council also recently passed a regulatory fee. Classic STR license holders will have to pay a 40% fee at $857 per bedroom per year. Limited and residential licenses are exempt from the regulatory fee. According to Telluride officials, by Friday afternoon, 18 homeowners had already submitted an application for a new short-term rental license. Open enrollment began Wednesday on Colorado's health insurance marketplace. It runs through January 15th. During this period, individuals and families can search for health insurance plans and sign up for them through Connect for Health Colorado. People who enroll by December 15th will have coverage beginning on January 1st. If you enroll after December 15th, coverage will start in February. Financial assistance is also available to help bring down monthly premium costs. Customers can apply for financial aid through the marketplace. Oh dear! Colorado Parks and Wildlife is shaping its deer herd management plan for southwest Colorado and needs the public's help. Draft plans have been released and are open for comment through December 15th. These plans are updated only once every 10 years, and CPW senior wildlife biologist Jamin Grigg says public feedback is critical. He explains CPW, quote, manages these herds in the best interests of Coloradans. The plan includes management goals for 14 herds across the state southwest. Of local interest is the Uncompagre Plateau herd, situated in San Miguel and Montrose counties. The herd has been on the decline since the early 1980s. CPW's 2006 plan aimed for a herd population of 35,000 deer. The current population is likely closer to 10,000. The latest draft lowers the target to a more achievable 15,000 deer. Over the past decade, deer herds across the region have been stressed by long-term drought, human infrastructure, and habitat loss. To submit a comment and learn more, visit cpw.info slash herd management plans. Colorado Congressman Ken Buck announced he will not seek re-election next year. In an announcement posted on YouTube, Buck briefly blamed left-wing policies for hot-button issues like inflation and immigration, but he spent most of the video criticizing his own party. Too many Republican leaders are lying to America, claiming that the 2020 election was stolen, describing January 6th as an unguided tour of the Capitol, and asserting that the ensuing prosecutions are a weaponization of our justice system. Buck says misinformation is eroding Americans' confidence in the rule of law. He called on the GOP to focus on long-term solutions and realign with conservative values like individual liberty and economic freedom. Buck is serving his fifth term representing Colorado's fourth congressional district in the U.S. House of Representatives.
A new store that sells potable water has opened in Shiprock, New Mexico, on the Navajo Nation. As KSJD's Chris Clements reports for Rocky Mountain Community Radio, the store is hoping to help with a significant need in the community. About a third of the 170,000 people who live on the Navajo Nation do not have access to clean, reliable drinking water, according to the tribe's Department of Water Resources. Many Navajo citizens regularly have to drive for miles to haul water back to their communities. Elijah Bitta is a co-founder of Twa Water Company, which celebrated its grand opening in Shiprock on Saturday. For me, it started with uh, COVID in uh, 2020, just around the, the Navajo Nation, just the highest infectious rate in the country was there. And so many people were just passing away. Bitta says that he and his family were inspired to start Twa, a Navajo word that means water, after visiting a similar drinking water business in Gallup. They also saw a need for residents of Shiprock to have access to clean water after the Gold King mine spill in 2015, which caused wastewater containing heavy metals like arsenic and lead to flow into the Animas and San Juan rivers. We still get a lot of people from from Red Valley and like deep, deep in the in the res where it takes like an hour or two hours to get to Farmington and Shiprock's just a little bit closer. For now, Twa doesn't deliver water to people's homes. Customers must instead bring a five-gallon jug to the store to have it filled. For KSJD, I'm Chris Clements. As Wyoming's near-total abortion ban nears its day in court in December, a group of doctors have now come out in support of the recent law, titled the Life is a Human Right Act. And as Jackson Hole Community Radio's Hannah Mersbach reports for Rocky Mountain Community Radio, it's a move that has outraged one of the state's only abortion providers. I was so upset. I couldn't sleep. That's Jovanina Anthony, who provides abortions in Teton County, reacting to newly filed documents from four doctors who argue that providing elective abortion goes against the principle, do no harm. They're on the wrong side of real, everyday obstetric care in Wyoming and in the country. Anthony is part of the group suing the state to keep abortion access legal, arguing it's an essential part of health care. The group of doctors, two practicing in Cheyenne and two who are retired, didn't respond to requests to comment in time for broadcast, and their lawyer declined an interview. But in their filings, they state they have a duty to care for both a pregnant person and the fetus. The Teton County judge could make a decision on the case in a December 14th hearing. In the meantime, abortion remains legal in Wyoming. Hannah Mersbach, K-12 News. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low around freezing. Saturday should be sunny during the day with a high near 60 degrees. Saturday night, expect partly cloudy skies with a low in the mid-30s. Sunday calls for mostly sunny skies during the day and mostly clear skies at night. The high is in the mid-50s with a low around 35 degrees. This has been the news for Friday, November 3rd. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.